You're listening to Gen X Friends and Films, where we discuss the films that shaped and scarred us. This was recorded in early 2020. With the war on drugs of Reagan platform, understanding the irony of El Guapo, a drug lord who reads steamy romance novels to his henchmen, was not lost on this grammar school girl. Joan's sad, lonely life did go over my head, though. Successful women, usually portrayed as B's and C's in 1980s Hollywood, Joan was someone this girl could identify with. Other than her timidity and innocence, I mean, even I knew you don't talk to strangers, especially those with mustaches. Romancing the Stone does not disappoint, with fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. The giant, of course, being Danny DeVito, stealing almost every scene he's in. Welcome to our podcast that we haven't named yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dawn. I'm Carrie. I'm Beverly. And we are going to be reviewing Romancing the Stone. It starred Michael Douglas. This was his first starring role. And it actually is what got him in the movie business because before this he was mainly TVs. And there was... Hold on, having a dad in the movie business—I know wasn't enough to get know. you in the movie business. Exactly. I mean, well, he really? was a producer, so that's how he was in the movie business, okay. but not acting. And he produced this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He produced a lot of films before this because that was the only way he was really in. It's the only way he could get hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe nepotism isn't rampant in hollywood after all well being a producer has to be a i yeah, mean something. could he have been a producer if his yeah. dad wasn't Probably exactly yeah. so it did help him a little bit which by the way kurt douglas just died i, I know 103 which made me think maybe Catherine zeta jones isn't too young for michael douglas yeah maybe <laughs> oh yeah good point good point good point yeah. oh that's right and he had cancer recently well like 1990-something, but... Who? Michael Douglas. Oh, 1990-something. I forgot something. he was married oh. to Kate... Or Catherine Zeta-Jones. He had throat oh, cancer. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Me too. I just remembered. Should have gotten that vaccine. <laughs> the throat cancer vaccine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the genital um, warts vaccine also is known oh, to reduce rates of oral cancers. Yeah, wow. it's oral cancers and uh, cervical cancers. Mm-hmm. So... Which is why, mm-hmm. which is are. why I made sure my son got it. Yep. Oh yeah, it's Me very too. important for yeah. for boys Definitely. to get it. It's not up yet, but he will be getting it. I yeah. Uh, oh, I shouldn't yeah. have said his name. Bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> bloop bloop. Okay, so Michael Douglas' first starring role, mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner. It was her second, but it was actually hard for her because they were like, "We know she could be sexy, but can she be a plain Jane?" It's, <laughs> crazy which is so weird to me i know and you know how she was a plain jane is they just didn't put makeup, and makeup on, her. on her and i'm like and she gorgeous pulled her hair back i know there was a scene i think when they're when they change into clothes and they're in that city right before they like fall in love and i was like she is 
stunning. Uh-huh. Stunning. And has, like, nothing. I mean, she she had very little makeup on. Yeah, and, and she's, just like, 28, stunning. too. See, that made that scene where she just walks out and Michael Douglas turns and is supposed to have the, like, ooh, I'm mm-hmm. in love now because she's beautiful. And that totally fell flat for me because I was like, she's been beautiful the whole time. Right. I know. Like, right. basically nothing changed except she's wearing no, clean clothes. No, something yeah. has changed. She's no longer a pain in his ass. Oh, right? see, I uh. took this movie way differently. <laughs> I'm I very interested very to hear what you guys took away from it because I was like, "Oh, wow!" Hmm. I saw it very differently. All right, we'll go. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite movies. To me, it still held up. I love this movie. Um, I felt like the romance wasn't so much between her and Michael Douglas as her going out of her comfort zone and finding herself. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines, he's about to jump off the, oh, yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. to get the crocodile. And she looks at him and she's like, you're Jack. leaving me? Yeah. And he turns around and he says something to the effect of like, you don't need me. Like, you never needed me. Like, mm-hmm. none of this was about me. This was all about you. Okay. You're going to do all right, You're going to do all right. That yeah, that's what it was. That was you're going to do all right, Joan Wilder. And it was like, oh, my God. And it wasn't so much like, I felt like through the whole movie, it wasn't anything he did to make her better or she did to make him better. It was her discovering her own power. That's how I took it. Okay. I can see that. I agree that that's her character arc. Mm-hmm. And you see that switch start because she feels hopeless even though she's going down to Columbia. But mm-hmm. that switch happens when they get to the bridge. That's when she's like, Psst, and she like wanders off to the bridge to try to cross while the soldiers oh, yes. uh-huh. yes. at him. And her own, yeah. And then for me, the moment when he sees her for the first time, it's not so much like, oh, she's beautiful now. It's like, oh my God, this is who she really is. This is her strength. That's the way I took it. Is because by that point, she's very confident in herself. Um, the whole thing with the Colombian drug lord just—I freaking loved it. Well, I, I love El Guapo. Yeah, El Gu- yeah, exactly. I love El Guapo too. That was that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Was the, the whole, whole scene with El Guapo thing was just fabulous. I just loved it. But um, yeah, that's how, that's what I took away from it. Is that, and then she knew, like, and then it was just kind of a trust issue at some point. But she got him out of situations more than mm-hmm. he got her out of situations. And I feel like she created more of the adventure. She was the more adventurous one, really. So I'm taking it, Beverly, you did not take that at all from the movie. You know, you've, you've given me pause, though. Um, th- there were, to me, there were two tropes that stood out. I just oh, touched something. Oh, that's that what it me. is. Yeah. Um, one is the whole um, tragedy of the single woman, which oh I'm gosh, so I over. Um, and I recognize now that you put it that way, that they were trying to take a 80s theme mm-hmm. and challenge it a little bit, maybe. I could I could say that. Okay, I could see that, that they were trying to challenge it. For mm-hmm. me, I was just I don't know like, about I'm that, so over it. Actually, so that's one of the things that I was disappointed about. And I knew that there was this percent chance that I would be, but it's still a dick movie. Yeah, you've got a female, a main female character, and mm-hmm. she does grow, but she's relatively shallow and predictable. And where, like, all the fun and action is, is with the men. It's always with the the men like who are I also felt... shallow and predictable. Well, that's but true. They right. have that's the true. They're everybody shallow that, and predictable. Yeah, that's true. But yes, that's very true. 
But um, I guess I was I was hoping for a pre Thelma and Louise where there'd be like more women also stepping up, but it's still just doesn't pass. It's the, uh... it's her and, and five guys because there's it's her interaction with Zolo, her interaction with Mike Douglas, well Jack, mm-hmm. her interaction with um, Danny DeVito and her brother or his brother, and then with uh, El Guapo with Juan. From the, the so drug what lord. if we so? But it's still. I mean, it's an '80s movie. If yeah. you look at it in an '80s context, it totally was a game changer. Yeah, and for me, for me, I think part of it too is like, of course, she was surrounded by men because it was the '80s. Yeah, and women felt like there wasn't a lot of power. And I never looked at it as her, like the sad single part. I looked at it as the workaholic. Oh, interesting. Like. Because she just sits in her, she just sits and does her, like, because she's so afraid, because um, Gloria, her publisher, says something to her about, you, uh, you, you get seasick on the elevator at the department store. Yes. Like, she's just a recluse who just works all the time. Not because she's single. She's, that's how I took it. I saw it as the single lady who's too picky. Because the man she wants is Jesse. And since no man can be Jesse, she's going to be single. I took it as a cat lady. Yes. That's definitely so funny. Romeo. And in the, in the bar, at the singles bar, she says, I know that he is out there for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's like, I'm not going to settle for this Mondo bullshit. Gizmo or whatever. <laughs> yes. <it was. laughs> and just that like crappy, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the eighties were really about that, you know, just uh, yeah. about like this yuppie-ish looking singles bar kind of, I don't know. I was mm-hmm. a kid, but that's I, what I took away from it. I did like her publisher going through the men. Like that was one oh, of the things yeah. that Jake laughed at was like, you know, to, you know, loser, loser, huge loser, <laughs> too vague to this. Too happy and the yeah. guy's smiling and <laughs> <Yeah. started crying. laughs> Exactly. And I love uh Holland Taylor who played Gloria. She was in like everything in the eighties, but you couldn't name one movie she's in because she's just kind of that sidekick all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I was wondering because I was like, what are we gonna talk about? It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I so for me, this movie, I fell in love with Danny DeVito. Yes. I did not realize. Oh my god, he was oh my god. so hilarious. And he's so neurotic. He's both smoking and smacking gum. He's yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> he does just... erotic well. Oh my god. He's got that And nails. he was yes. so funny. The thing yes. too was everyone was so young. Orion yeah. was like, who is that? I know, I know who, I know Jack Colton. Pim. 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 From Ant-Man. Oh, oh, yes. And that's what my, my husband just said, Ant-Man. And he was like, oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's so old. He's so young in this. And for me, I remember. I yeah. don't know. I guess he I just didn't pretty realize old. how young. Yeah, they seemed like I was like, oh, they weren't that young when they did this, but they were mm-hmm. pretty young. Well, they still weren't that young. No, but they seemed young. I mean, yeah, compared yeah. to now. Yeah. I mean, when was the movie? Nineteen eighty four. Exactly. So. The um, interesting thing with. What was I going to say? Well, one of the things, I didn't know this. So Danny DeVito and Kurt Douglas, they're the same age because they were roommates when they went to New York. uh, NYC, I think, is where they went together. Um, And I never would have... 
put them in the same. same yeah, age. it's sort Wait, of like Danny DeVito and Kirk Douglas or Mark. Or no, Mark Ma sorry, Michael. Michael Douglas. Okay, I was Michael. like, holy you. smokes, Danny DeVito's one hundred three. Thank you. No, I said the wrong one. Um, one of those Douglases. Yeah. Uh, and then the the other thing that was interesting was that. Just Kurt Douglas. I keep saying Kurt. Michael Douglas seems like a decent guy because when Michael Douglas went out to Hollywood and started doing movies, he still paid his half of the rent for I don't know how long so that oh. Danny wasn't just stuck. And then also for the script, this is the first time screenwriter script that got sold by a woman in the 80s and he paid full price. Oh, wow. Good and a lot him. of people gave him shit for not, you know making it less because it's, she was the first yeah, time writer. Yeah, I noticed writer. it was written by a woman. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she died in a car accident with the Porsche that he gave her as a gift for romancing the stone. As a thank you gift. Uh, that's, that's really a little creepy. fucking weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> her boyfriend was driving. I blame it on the boyfriend. But sure, we'll do that. Yeah, I'll blame him. <laughs> he probably blames himself, too. Well, yeah. he's dead, so. Yeah, well. Definitely blames himself. <laughs> Um, so my other nit to pick with this movie, and this isn't the only movie that does this, this is oh, yeah. a tried and true trope, mm -hmm. is the white woman who goes to a brown country and falls in love with the only, only white other man. white man in the entire country. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and that is something we could spend all day listing all the mm -hmm. movies and books that do that, but. Another big theme in the 80s that was also in this is like. Kids from Asian or brown countries who are like criminals oh, who can yeah. drive cars because Indiana know. Jones oh my gosh. had shortstop. Yeah. But at least shortstop looked like he was driving. Did you see how like when it would switch from far away, it was yeah. just some dude, oh, like no. a big, like kind of muscly almost. <laughs> I think the takeaway from that is um, kids in third world countries are brilliant and yeah. ours are like not that smart. <laughs> and I'm like... Driving. My son was totally impressed. He's like, oh. Well, and that's like a, I think it was like a Porsche Boxster or something. It's it's a stick shift. It's a sports car. And mm -hmm. I'm like, he knows how to drive a stick? And he's like 12? And I mean, this movie falls to me in the category of movies that are dangerous because they're fun. And you're not supposed to think that hard about them. Which means it's a really good way to kind of reinforce the little biases that we always have all the time mm -hmm. because we're part of a racist sexist culture and mm -hmm. that's that where it's like it's almost it's almost more dangerous to me than a movie that's overtly sexist or racist and challenges you and makes you have a conversation mm -hmm. about it because this one you just kind of like oh yeah okay they're brown people yeah. side char characters not that interesting criminal or stupid or ridiculous and oh yeah, the white people are the heroes and you just kind of mm -hmm. go along with it all and it feels good to go along with it all. Not not just that too. So like Gregor was like, who's the bad guy? Because Gregor caught in the middle of it because he wasn't interested, but then, you know, he became interested. And I was like, well, there's two sets of bad guys. And like basically the brown guy is the, like the psychotic bad guy, whereas the white guys are just hustlers. Like they aren't going to hurt. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. threatening. They have no they, real bad intention. They have no yeah. bad intention. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't even... And see, and I didn't even think about that. Because then I thought of... What was his name? El Guape? 
Oh, oh, well, Juan oh, is, Juan. is his right, name. Yes. In the, yeah, well, that's not his real name, but that's his name, his character's name. His character's name, yeah, it's not, he's not on it's the list. It's Alfonso, Alfonso Aro. Yeah. Oh, Juan, yeah. He, to me, was like, that was the, and I remember the first time I saw it, is I remember being scared, like, how are they going to get out of this? And then the idea that this Colombian drug lord is reading romance novels, to, to his men, these, too. All of to his henchmen. His men. Yes, to all the henchmen who are, like, yeah. supposed to be terrifying. And then, for me, too, it was like, I remember being a kid and being like, oh, that's so nice of him to, like, bring some culture. <laughs> but because uh, I was a kid, thinking uh-huh, that, like, there was uh-huh. no culture there. But, like, oh, that's nice of him that he reads that to them. But I don't know. It just was one of those. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie is because it's just so funny to me how he's so interested in this. And then one of the things I noticed this time is Gloria says in the beginning, um, when she says she's going to go to Columbia, she's like, Oh, you're very popular there. And there's a lot of foreshadowing about things. Like it kind of brings everything around. There's little comments made in the beginning. So the other thing I noticed the beginning of the movie, when she's writing her book, when Jack and her are with, um, Zolo at the end, the the lines are very similar. Similar. Yeah, yeah, written. exactly. Because she's now Angelina. She's now her heroine. Right, right. And so I never not her. Just, I didn't realize that little tiny thing. And I've seen this movie probably close to uh, 20, 30 times. But this is the first time I think I paid attention to things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it was interesting to me because there were little things in the in the beginning. That were also kind of in the end, yeah. kind of sandwich it together. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. One thing that made me laugh is I was Google searching a little bit and I found a review, a movie review, I think from the New York Times that was written um, right when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And um, they talk about the, ir- the the reviewer was incredibly irritated because he thought that the opening lead in was the biggest, um, the biggest like, what did he call it? Fake lead in in cinematic history. The whole cowboy Western scene was so long and so drawn out. And that wasn't even the real movie. And he just felt like it was crap. And I was cracking up. I was like, this guy would hate movies today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because that's like, oh, that's nothing. Like you go into it, you know, it's a lead in now. Mm. It's like, we're totally mm. conditioned to know that. I mean, take any Marvel movie and they have a longer lead in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so true. So, so I don't know, true. made me laugh a little bit that part. Well, and then I'm just thinking that that's the only thing you have to say about it. Oh, no. Yeah. He tore the movie apart on being oh, predictable and all that. And I was like, yeah, it was predictable. Yep. It all was right. the classic, um, I'm going to tear this movie apart because it has no artistic value, but we all know it's going to be a blockbuster mm-hmm. because it's fun. So there were so many parts in this movie that even Gregor was like, that's not right. And like, so Jake oh, was upset about how if a plane crashed, it's not like the pilot's going to be sticking out the window. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah. me, like my pet peeve is swinging on vines because vines are rooted in the ground. So if you were to swing yes. on a vine, you would go crashing down mm-hmm. yes. across. And then I'm trying to remember what Gregor's was in relation to, I can't remember where it was in the city where he's like, it'd never be like that. But there's tons of little things. Oh, yeah. And... Well, and it's funny because when you see things as a kid, I was asking Jeff, I said, do you, did you think this was filmed in Colombia? 
And he's like, yeah. And I said, and did you think all the actors were Colombian? He's like, yeah. And and looking back, I'm like, I think it's California. It was Mexico, Mexico. Mexico. Actually. Oh, it was But Mexico. they actually were going to do Colombia. But, but a lot of Americans were... Well, that's it. A lot of Americans were being kidnapped. Right. So mm-hmm. for safety reasons, they did Because we talked about that. Because Jeff's like, there's absolutely no way with everything going on in Colombia in the early 80s, there's absolutely no way it could have been done in Colombia. So the other career that like skyrocketed because of this movie was the director. He had like oh, one uh-huh. really good movie. And then he had two lemons basically and this was like his last chance and then not only that he was signed up to be the director for cocoon but the studios thought that this movie was gonna bomb so preemptively he was fired so that he no longer would be the director for cocoon Mm. and then this did really well and the cocoon producers were like do you want to direct and he's like no that's all right (laughs) robert zemeckis didn't he he do back to the future okay Uh, oh you're thinking of uh ramus Uh, i thought i thought he just wrote ghostbuster okay i'm pretty sure he directed maybe he did he directed it in caddyshack i think he did um ramus did uh groundhog's day because we just watched it yeah yeah Yeah. then that's what ruined him and bill's yes relationship yes i just watched a very long or read several no i was reading several articles about it yeah so robert zemeckis he did uh back to the future i'm trying to find where i had everything written out because he did a lot of he did a lot of popular 80s movies yeah. i know that yeah but he if it, it's only because this movie did really well mm-hmm. part of me was a little irked though because i was like if this was a female director she just needs one bad movie whether it's her first mm-hmm. second oh, third yeah. or fourth yeah, and she true. doesn't get a second right or four, you know or third chance Oh, oh, yeah, and the other interesting thing is that Wonder Woman from the 70s, the TV show, the stunt woman is who went down the mudslide that was oh, the double cool. for... The stunts were really Kathleen. good. I have to say the stunts were still really impressive to me. Even... The actors did most of them, too. Yeah, well, and it won... Um, what does it say? Stuntman Award for Most Spectacular Stunt. I'm curious to know if it's the mudslide or the waterfall with the oh, car. Oh, yeah. That, I was like, that's, how did someone not die? Well, because and then the I'm... water would, cur- you know, push the car into you and, and, and the, smash you. And then they have all these huge you. rocks. And I was I like, know. yeah, they just jumped out and didn't hit a rock. Lucky them. But, yeah. Um, it was still, I just, I thought it was well done. I thought. Yeah. And I have to say, there's no saggy middle or saggy end. The, the yeah. pace was good. It was... Kind of slow in the beginning, but not in a bad way. And then it got mm-hmm. quicker and quicker, and then it kind of slowed down again in the end, but not in a bad way. So, I appreciated that. Yeah, it did have a great uh, pace. Because, I mean, it's it's over an hour. It's an hour and 45 minutes long, and my son kept wanting to watch, you know. Funny thing, too, was... that I noticed. We didn't know the male lead's name until an hour into the movie. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, also, you don't see the male lead until a half hour into mm-hmm. the movie, too. It's all the setup. I guess the original movie, when they did it... Oop, darn it. I guess the original movie didn't have that much information about Joan, and they mm-hmm. padded it after filming the whole the whole script okay. in the beginning to give you more of a connection with Joan so that you want to know what happens to her. Mm-hmm. There was something that I... That kind of makes sense, oh. because there were parts of it that I felt like didn't carry through. Like, 
the whole thing in the beginning where she's got tons of pill bottles all over her house. And oh stuff. my gosh! You're like, okay, so no, she's a it's because no, or no, 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 no. What is that? It's it's because you starved yourself in the eighties. If you look in her fridge, she's got she's loaded with that's pills. Right, she has an egg, an egg, and some milk. Oh, I thought and they were vitamins. It. Well, that's and what then the pills I found are. It hilarious vitamins. that she had. I said I said this when she made Romeo's tuna. So she has fresh parsley in her house, but she's out of toilet paper. Yeah. and well, it groceries a little, and the parsley looked a little uh yeah it didn't i wouldn't eat that parsley I the cat either. didn't even eat i it. guess no. that completely that scene for scene almost um went for a, a cat com- a cat food commercial that was out at that time because i was like why is she inhaling the tuna yeah like, yeah right she's like <sighs> and i'm like yeah. no nobody would smell tuna. well and the thing no. that i noticed too is that um product placement was so much more subtle back then yeah because she's like yes romeo it's bumblebee only yes. the best for you oh i totally missed and that and then like there That's was a funny. pepsi machine in the background and then there was something else that was said that i was like oh it's a. Uh, it was uh somebody said a product name or something and i was like oh and then like the the truck they you could see that it was a ford several times they would get the shot of the grill it was very subtle because i didn't even pick up on any of it it was a little bit more subtle i think in the 80s than current yeah yeah because now now it's hammy where they're like hey yeah look at my well now it's a joke yes like look we're product placing ha 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 you're all paying for this yeah um Speaking of, okay, so he is in fact like a bird smuggler, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. He's Ill, he's doing illegal, I- illegal, acts. yeah. He's, yeah, but he says he tries to make money quick. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. says that he has a long history with the Cartagena police. Yeah, Cartagena. Yeah, Cartagena. Yeah. Cartagena. yeah. Oh, Which... and that's the other thing. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh no, it was kind of funny because my son was really confused. He's like, "Wait, aren't the police supposed to be the good guys? I don't understand what's happening <laughs> here." And we're like, "Oh." Yeah, corruption. So <laughs> he totally the whole time he thought like that the yeah, police were the good guys. He yeah. was really confused. Yeah, that's interesting. So the other thing that bothers me that was that was another thing that bothers me with the so another pet ant is that she's trying to ask if this is the bus that goes to Cartagena. So then she's then trying to speak in you know pigeon Spanish. Um, you know, is this the autobus auto mm-hmm. to Cartagena? But bef- but um, Zolo finishes her sentence and says, Cartagena. And she's like, oh, you speak English. And I'm like, that was not an English, English word. English, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And plus, you were leading up speaking in Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another thing that I did appreciate, though, is um, it was always like, well, of course I speak English. I'm not dumb. Like when yes. he goes to the hotel and he's trying yes. to talk, he's like, "Oh, you speak English," and the guy looks at him like, of and he's course. like, "Yeah, of course yeah. I speak." Like you're an idiot if you think that we don't speak English. So that was one thing that yes. I appreciated because that probably wasn't very common in the '80s for people to be like, "No, we actually all speak English." So think about how different this movie would have been if the possible leads before Michael Douglas. Was there? Do you guys know the list? Mm-mm. No. So Christopher Reeves turned down the role. So did Sylvester Stallone. Oh, God. Even <laughs> horrible with Sylvester Stallone. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. That would be a totally different movie if he the, uh, was it. father-daughter and, flick? And then Jack Nicholson. Well, no, back then they're about the same age. No. Really? He's probably just a little bit older than Kathleen Turner. Uh, 
don't he know. just always oh, no. looked old. No, he I think always he's, looked he's, no, he's older. older. Because, I mean, he's, he was he's in, in like, his 70s. He's, no, he's not. He's not? Cause, cause, so there was the SNL review of The Mule with Pete Davidson and um, John Mulaney. Uh-huh. It is awesome. I suggest you guys watch it. But he's 90. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. He okay. Was big so then he would have. It would have okay. been like father daughter. I can't yeah. help myself. I just have to share this one part of it. Is I've never seen the mule, but when they're mm-hmm. doing the review of the mule, they talk about how this is an old white guy's fantasy, because part of it he's driving while eating an ice cream sandwich, and then, <laughs> and another part of it is he has I guess two threesomes in the movie. Clint Eastwood <laughs> yes, does. Yes. I don't even know. I, I, I mean, the mule. I'm stuck at thinking wanna... of Juan's car. So I it's know. it's a ninety year old little mule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. It's a ninety year old who traffics drugs oh, okay. for a Mexican cartel. Weird. That was another thing I loved is that like so when he realizes it's her and he opens up the doors and his like beat down house is actually like has a swimming oh, pool. Oh yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's actually a luxury serious. plaza. Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah, that just cracked me up. So. That was one of the things I enjoyed, too. And Danny DeVito. Oh, my gosh. I could not. He was so funny to me. He was so. Yeah. It was you just see really the trailers well. for Everything. the movie. I didn't watch them. So typically, you know, trailers from the 80s are horrible. I mean, right. They're all just bad. They have a voiceover guy doing mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, wow. And they're just they give away all the good parts of the right. movie. And there's they're just compared to current trailers. Their production value is pretty low. Um, and my son always wants to see trailers for everything. And yeah. Because so, mm-hmm. now the trailer is almost as important as the movie. Yeah. Like, it's it's entertaining just to watch the trailer, even mm-hmm. if you don't care about watching the movie. Um, so he, whenever he wants to say, like, well, I want to see the trailer for that movie, and it's like an 80s movie, or, God forbid, a 70s movie, or 50s movie. Or We're 60s, like, eh, too. Yeah. Don't, don't want to watch Don't want to. But I was like, yeah, we'll pull up the trailer for this. <clears throat> and we were watching it. We were like. It actually stands on its own as being kind of funny. Danny DeVito's on the phone with Ira mm-hmm. relating all the horrors he experienced on the trip. And he's yelling at Ira the whole time. And there's like flashbacks to the things he's relating. And it, and they do that for Jewel of the oh, Nile, too, because we watched the trailer for that, too. Jewel and we were Nile. like, you know, the trailers <laughs> might be my favorite part. <laughs> there was supposed to be a third movie, too, that I they was never wondering. did called Crimson Eagle, where they've got like teenage kids that they... I can't remember they're somehow like basically ransomed so that they have to find this one so treasure in thailand of course because oh. this stuff never happens in canada folks <laughs> oh my gosh that would be hilarious there is um there was actually a treasure that happened from contemporarily in england i can't remember if it was the 70s or 80s but this artist basically put out a children's book that had clues in it it that had like a a golden hair pendant or necklace or something treasure that he had buried in some park somewhere in England. Anyway, sorry. There can be treasure in in Uh, temperate zones. Yes. Is what I was getting at. (laughs) No, that made me think though, I would really love to see like the Chinese version of this where, you know, they come to America. They come and buy to America and find some treasure that's being protected it's by gummies. corrupt white people. Oh, and no, yeah. no, but the non-white people have to fall in love with each other, and, and they have to be the ones that find the treasure. People. Like we really have to run the trope. Because the Chinese are the ones that are. I can't remember the Goonies who it is, but it's foreign investors are the ones that are. 
No, um, right? Goonies, mm. it's real estate developers that are trying oh. to buy the house and they go and get treasure well, from the pirate ship eventually. But the people yeah. trying to get the treasure are Italian. Oh! Mm, they're Italian-American, no. though. They're supposed yeah. to be mobsters, yeah, basically. And they're not the heroes. That's true. No, oh, that's true. They're, no. the, they're the criminals. Oh, yeah. You know, they're the bad guys, big time. Yeah. Okay. No, I would... I. I think it would be really amusing just to see the trope really, truly turned on its head and see how it runs. See? <laughs> you should pitch that to somebody. I, I am right now. This you podcast should. is going to get people's ears and people are going to be like, <laughs> yes, we're going to do that. That would be a good that. one for yeah. uh, and like, and what's his name? Mm-hmm. And they go through the culture shock of being in, you know, our country. Isn't like that maybe rural Texas. Coming and they're to like, America? Whoa. Only it's not Chinese. Okay, yeah. A little bit Obviously. of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Although the treasure I think he finds is like... True love. A True woman. love. Exactly. He's wealthy, Who's an American. Wealthy. Yeah. Uh, Although yeah. she's black, but she is American and those two things mm-hmm. do go together. True. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized I said although and I'm like, <laughs> just want to be well, clear. No, the point you're trying to make a is contrast wanted, here. Exactly. You wanted to see non-white people fall in love. Yes, there's that. So that's in a why white you land. were making an emphasis yes. on that. Yes, yes. I, I understood that. <laughs> I forgot to also say, so the first choice for... Um, for the female lead was Deborah Winger, so she's uh, Terms of Endearment. Oh uh, yeah, no, Urban that would have been no. Mm-mm. But what was weird? So I read this thing, and I was like, either that's not correct, or it is correct. And Michael Douglas is a bit of a creep. Or Mike, yes, Michael is it the right one? A bit of a creep, because they went supposedly they went to a Mexican restaurant to talk about the part, and she didn't get it because she bit him. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> like, that's got to be more than just one sentence. I need to know more. Uh, yeah, there's some details missing in there. Uh, <laughs> she's she like, bit him? Yeah, that's what it said. I'm guessing he deserved it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I just know. like, anybody it's who bites him probably did something It's the weird. 80s and he's a producer. I think it's he's probably... probably trying to feed her, <laughs> like, chips or something. Well, now I kind of want to... Call Deborah Winger and find out what happened there. Yeah. Is she just crazy or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many other movies was she in? Well, she had I'm done terms about. of a, right endearment before that, I believe. I think Urban Cowboy was the 80s. She was but working was on terms 80s, of endearment when they were um, asking for her. Oh, and after that, she she still had movies after that. Did she? So, yeah, because one of her big, big movies was, uh, I think it was called Black Widow with Rebecca I love that. Dorma, Dor- With Samantha Dor- from... Uh, oh, was it Kim Cattrall? I think. I thought it, it was it? Rebecca De Mornay. Maybe it was. But I, for some reason in my mind, I always... Well, okay. Kim Cattrall will always be... Mannequin. Mannequin. <laughs> she will always be mannequin to me. I don't even know. How do you? Oh you probably do, but you just you don't realize. You didn't see Mannequin, no. where the mannequin no, comes to No, I'm sure life. she didn't. But Anth- that might An- be one we need to do. Anthony, is it Anthony Michael Hall? No, no, no. no that, that's that's uh, the blonde guy from Weird Blaine. Science. Blaine from Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink, but I can't remember his I name right now. I can't remember his name either. This is going to be a very interesting series of podcasts for me. <laughs> yeah, I mannequin, think it will be. Mannequin might be a good one to do later. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. It might be the same trope. Though, it might. It is as... the same trope. 
pretty much, except that she comes from another time. The, so the thing... Ooh. She comes from Egypt. Yes, and it's like she's cursed or something, and only he can see her. So, like, he's riding, taking her around town, and everybody else sees a mannequin on the back of his bike. <laughs> this reminds wish, me of that movie where the guy has the inflatable sex, sex doll. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but a little bit less sexual. Okay. Well, that movie way. actually wasn't terribly sexual. Just the doll it was sexual. It wasn't. Just the doll was he, sexual. Yeah. That was a really sad movie. I actually really liked that movie. I liked it too. Lars and the... You're you're getting there. No, Lars you're right. Teresa Russell. And then what was the... What was, is that the same one where... No, there was one where he falls in love with a computer her oh god that broke my heart okay we're good. With Scarlett Johansson. Like <laughs> no it's funny though as long as we're on this topic there was a story on npr the other day about a woman who studies sex doll ology and she was oh, talking about the long history of all the stories starting with the ancient greeks and um how Throughout the stories, um, it tends to end well for the men who fall in love with their statues, but not so great for the, the women, women who fall in love with their statues. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of interesting. That interesting. Trailer. That'll have to be the topic of a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. Sex dolls and cinema. <laughs> the Greeks didn't care too much for women. They called them a necessary evil. So I would think yes. any story with Greeks and women, it comes out bad for the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Just like... Mm, <laughs> A lot of modern movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's see what else happened. So they won a Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture. Wow. They got in trouble. And oh, sorry. Kathleen Turner won a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. She deserved it. So interesting fact with Jewel of the Nile, there was a contract that she was supposed to, you know, be in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And she was already signed up to do, oh gosh, what was the movie again? She was in a lot. The Money Pit with Tom Hanks. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, Shelley, that was Shelley Long. It was because they had to sue her to get her to Morocco in order to film Jewel of the Nile. Oh, and so that maybe movie Money was Pit like ended cursed. up being a Money Pit. <laughs> Did it? I bet it was. I wouldn't I be shocked. I thought it was profitable. Well, not Money Pit. You mean Jewel of the Nile? No, I mean Money Pit was. The movie Money Pit was probably a money pit because I don't think it did very well. Really? Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones I actually watched. <laughs> I watched it too. The only uh, thing I remember is her getting stuck in the rug, like, she, oh. or him, one of them stuck in the rug in a hole in the yes, floor. Yes, that's a potential movie for this list too. Yeah, that is. Okay, anyway, sorry. No, uh, I don't really remember. My what favorite we Kathleen say. Turner movie, Serial Mom. I need to see it again. I need to see it too. Loved that movie. You were saying they got in trouble. Oh, oh, with Jewel of the, the Nile. Nile. There was that, and then like um, two weeks before shooting, a plane crash that had like six of um, Michael Douglas's crew. It had like their assistant director, <gasps> their I don't know. So they had they were like cursed to begin with uh. with it. And then also, so the Diane Thomas, I think that's who was the name of the person who wrote it. She, she yeah. wasn't working on the script. She had tweaked bits of the script, but she died before she could really do oh, much. Oh, did she to write the script. Joel the Nile too? No, no, no. Someone oh. else wrote it, but they put her on to, to make it better. To make it better, because that probably was to give it a similar. Yeah, player. exactly. So one of the things we were talking about is there's that rule like. 
a sequel is usually worse than the beginning one, but if you have a trilogy, then they're normally mm-hmm. equally as good. And so we were talking about that last night. We were thinking that this is a trilogy. So Jeff has decided, my husband, that the third movie is Wall Street. And no, that it's supposed to be Jack um, Colton, War of the Roses. No. Oh, yeah. Because it's got Danny DeVito, Kathleen That's Turner, right. and Michael Douglas. But Jeff feels like Jack Colton invested poorly and got very greedy and went to oh, Wall yeah. Street. But, yeah, War of the Roses, that was... Oh, I haven't seen I, We're coming up with some great movies for movie. our future podcast. I will not watch War of the Roses again. It was really? awful. It was awful. I saw it. Like, probably when I was 13 and my parents had just divorced, and so I was interested. <laughs> I felt like it was so violent. Toward, I remember I mean, watching it and being like, oh, my parents did okay. Yeah. Uh, All right, props to mom and dad. I think I didn't, I thought it was going to be funny, and it just, I think, scared the shit out of me. Oh, no, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. Um, oh. Money Pit. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, another uh, actor, lead actor that was offered the role was Paul Newman. But he declined it because he thought it was too violent. I was like, well, he thought, what? He the thought, snake's wait. head does get chopped off. Yeah. He thought that Romancing the Stone was too violent? Yes. From the script. Mm, interesting. This says the Sundance Kid. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't he in some pretty violent movies himself? And what was the big one where he eats all the eggs? Cool Hand Luke. Mm, no, Cool Hand Luke is not Paul Not Newman. Cool Hand Luke. That's, um, God, what the frick is his name? Steve McQueen. No, cool and I'm Luke. not thinking of Cool Hand Luke then. I don't know. You're thinking not about the color of money, because there's no violence no, there. No, I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I haven't seen very many Paul Newman movies. Well, I don't know if let's much rate it. Okay. What should we use to, to rate it? I was thinking. Crocodiles or oh, alligators. A snapper's, I'm sorry. I've got to call them snappers. Look at those snappers, will you? Snappers. Yes. That was like yep. his only line. Yep. yep. Well, yeah. Look you. at those snappers. So how many snappers up? Out of what? Five, five snappers. Five I'm going to give it four and a half snappers. Wow. wow. I, I was shocked. I did not think it was going to hold up for me. Um, but also, when I was younger, too, I think I also wanted to be Joan Wilder because I wanted to be a successful writer. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, so for me, she was a really strong character. Yeah. And she kind of, like, held her own, I felt like. And she did. And Juan and the little mule and all that. Oh, still. Still. Mm-hmm. For me, so. And then, So, I you... was going to give it two snappers, but you've convinced me, like, two and a half snappers. Okay. All right. Two okay. and a half snappers. Like, because the character transformation. But previously, the only thing I really enjoyed about it was everything to do with one mm. yeah for me it was Juan and danny devito so yeah I'm yeah gonna, yeah oh, and danny devito oh, i'm gonna God. give it just three snappers and a hand because uh, oh yeah <laughs> we'll that was my half snapper <laughs> i was thinking the half snapper was that's the got hand. the hand yeah yeah that and was that, actually a pretty good like bone structure for i mean i was like wow that actually looks like a hand went away yeah in my unscientific perspective turns yeah. out something similar actually happened so one of the the gators they had the jaw wired shut and then he got away so they found him downriver, and they didn't know that the wire had come out so the oh, jaw was no longer wired shut and one of the trainers got his hand basically bitten off i mean not quite it got destroyed uh 
Well, what's funny is when Michael Douglas went into the hospital to check in on him, the guy, all he really talked about was his Rolex. So Michael Douglas and a couple other people went like diving and found the guy's Rolex and gave it back to him. (laughs) Yeah. They're vicious creatures. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. How did they keep this out of the news? I know. It is kind of funny to think about back then. My, my husband and I were talking about, like, animal cruelty in movies and, like, how those statements started showing up, what, 90s or something? Mm. No animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Like, they they weren't, they weren't, they didn't used to care about that. Right. Like, yeah. Right. They used to. Well, and when we were watching this, I was like, oh, I wonder if that chicken actually got, because there was. Oh, this, he was fine, like, though, when he walked away. Yeah. But that then, like, sure some, of the, some of the birds and stuff, I was like, yeah. I some of these birds got really hurt. And I was wondering about the crocodiles, but because there was no CGI, so yeah. they were real. Well, also, except for the one that bit the hand. That was an obvious puppet. Gregor was like, oh, that's so not a real alligator. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> um, so it does make me think maybe at the end of movies, in addition to having a statement that says no animals were harmed in making this movie, they should also say, and no people were harmed yeah. in making of this movie. Right. Yeah, that's pretty. Or no women were assaulted in the movie. Yeah, oh, oh, that'd gosh. be a plus. Yeah. That yeah. would be yeah. amazing. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. actually, I think but that was should be a thing. But the only way movie. you could do nobody that could is do nobody's that. come forward yet about right. being exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we have exactly. made every attempt not to assault anybody in making this movie. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. So your choice, Kiri. I think what? the next one should be the toy with Richard Pryor. I think it will be um, a very and that kid interesting. Too. He was in so many '80s movies. He was. I think it'll be very interesting and spark a lot of conversation. And I vaguely remember it. Um, <laughs> so I apologize if it's extremely overtly racist. <laughs> I would rather have it, something um, extremely overtly racist to talk got about 9% than something subtly the racist. racist right, <laughs> it right. has 9% like, on Rotten Tomatoes, so I have a feeling it's going to be very racist. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. But I feel like I remember... Oh, I forgot Jackie Gleason's in it. Yeah. And oh, I we got to see vaguely, a movie with Jackie Gleason. I vaguely remember Richard Pryor talking about why he did it and that it he did it because it would bring up conversations about race, but I could mm-hmm. be totally off on that. It sounds like so some research. I think, yeah, yeah, I think this one I'm going to have to watch a little bit yeah. further in advance and do some research. That sounds good. I might have to watch it twice, I think. So we'll see. You I know, I got to say, Rotten Tomatoes also gave movie 43 like a 10% or something. And I love that movie. Oh, movie yeah. 43? Never heard of I it. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> if you watch it, just remember... That you love the movie? No, that I'm not the only one. <laughs> I've talked to at least two other people who loved it. Okay. It's mm. a really messed up movie. Is it? Probably. Not like Happiness? Have you guys seen? Oh, never mind. We don't need to talk about weird <laughs> More movies. for you to edit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. There you have it. Special thanks to Jake Reisenbickler for equipment and setup. Our next film will be The Toy, where you can find on streaming platforms out there.
Now I ain't cheap, but I can be had.